Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I just want to go ahead and warn you tonight. I don't want to waste anyone's time. Um, tonight's message is for those that have been under some pressure, maybe have some stress moments, um, maybe have some time, opportunities where you're battling something. So if that's not you, feel free to go ahead and leave. But if, uh, if you have experienced trials, tribulations, struggles, challenges, conflicts, controversy, uh, or any, anything of the like, uh, if you feel that you're in that category, you're in the right place tonight. Amen? Amen. Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. I want to talk about secret strength. Secret strength. There's a secret to our strength. Amen. And um, I believe that perspective um, helps us see and helps us uh, endure a lot of things. And a lot of things we miss out on in life, not because of what it is, but because of how we see it. Amen. I said a lot of things we miss out on in life because not of what it is, but because of how we see it. And so I'm hoping that we can change some perspective tonight. I hope that we can recognize, maybe learn something new tonight about our strengths, but also about our weaknesses. And um, so I hope that we can get in the word and reveal some things. Look at verse five, Second Corinthians chapter four and uh, verse Five says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus's sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Look at verse seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So the inside doesn't match the outside, he's saying. But we have this treasure, but it's inside something that you might devalue. Something that you that is of great value is hidden inside of the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Of means source or identifies where something comes from. So we want to recognize that there is a source uh, that we need to get our eyes on. Look at verse 8. For we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. I want you to notice just a couple things over these last few verses that there's quite a contrast that Paul, the, the writer, uh, is trying to identify for us, that there is pressure on the outside, but I'm okay on the inside. There's controversy and conflict coming all around me, but yet on the inside, I'm stayed, I'm assured, I'm uh, uh, assured, I'm confident. He's saying that uh, we might be perplexed, but we're not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken. So he's identifying there's not an abandonment here. We're not talking about life in a bed of roses. We're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, just constantly living on the mountaintops, but we recognize that there's also a valley of the shadow of death. But I'm recognizing that even in the valley, he's with me. Even when I'm in the bottom, 
he knows how to get me back to the top. And so even though I might be um, in the middle of something externally, I've got something internally that allows me to get through that helps me overcome. And so we've got to discover that there is a secret strength. He even says in verse 11, for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus's sake, that the life of Jesus. So the life of Jesus is experienced in the death of Jesus. Regardless of what it looks like on the outside, there's something else going on on the inside. There is a a different position, a different response that I can have. He says the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. Death is working, but life is working at the same time. And see, this is what you got to recognize. If you've ever been in the gym, uh, if you've ever done any kind of uh, weightlifting or strength or, you know, conditioning or, you know, anything for maybe any kind of sport or anything. The, the thing is, you don't know your strength until you realize your weakness. You don't know how strong you are until you find out how weak you are. They go hand in hand. And for too long, um, we have put strength in one category and we put weakness in another category. And we think that strength is the opposite of weakness. No, strength is what I recognize in my weakness. That I don't recognize, there's a pressure coming against me. If you're bench pressing, for example, there's a pressure that is coming against you, but there's also a pressure working in you. Are you following me? There's, there's something on the outside that's pushing against you, but it's requiring everything that you have within you. And so for too long that, you know, we have, uh, you know, identified weakness, I mean, even failure. I mean, when I, uh, uh, you know, work out, as you can tell, I work out all the time. It's just what I live by, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's obvious. Um, but, you know, there was, there was a term that we used to use, um, you know, when I first started working out, I was about 21 years old when I really got serious about it. I didn't do it in high school. I didn't really care about that. And, um, but uh, when I was 21 years old, I moved to Florida and I moved in with my pastor and uh, his oldest son, Sean, him and I were about the same size, which is sad because he was a sophomore in high school when I was 21 years old. So, uh, you know, him and I would go to the gym together. And, um, uh, you know, our goal was just to get as big as possible and eat as much as possible and just weight lift all day and eat as much fat and carbs and and protein. And I mean, we were sucking down protein shakes. I remember there was one year we compared uh, uh, well, we didn't compare how much we made, but, you know, in working, we, we identified that there was a lot that we spent that was used up in protein shakes and meals six times a day and meals in between meals and da-da-da-da, and the list goes on. When I graduated high school, I was about 90 pounds and four foot 11. So uh, thank God I, I got into the massive size that I am today. And... Um, I am the grace of God working in front of you today. So so him and I were on this thing of, you know, just trying to, you know, get big. That's all that we really cared about. And so there was a thing that you can use. There's a certain type of workout that you can use, and it's called working out to failure. To failure, meaning that you, you don't go in there saying, I'm, you know, give me eight reps, give me 10 reps, give me 12 reps. We say you do it until you can't do it anymore. And what you do is you pile on the weight as much as you can, as much as you can sustain, and you just do it as many times, and it just causes 
you know, immense growth. You can tell um, on that routine right now. So uh, you just you just pack on the weight. But the goal was to do it until you couldn't do it anymore. So failure was the goal. Failure wasn't something that we were trying to walk away from or run away from or in resistance of. And what I see a lot of times in the body of Christ and in, even in believers is we equate failure with weakness rather than strength. But back then, the, the, it, it rang true that if I got to failure, that means I used everything I could. That means I expensed all that I had within me. That meant that the pressure on the outside was so great that I had to use everything within me just to get to the last rep, just to achieve a certain amount, just to get to a certain weight. And it took everything out of you. And there's exhaustedness. There's stress opportunities. There's challenges that come against us. Paul is saying, oh, we were hard-pressed. And, you know, this is kind of the narration of Acts. If you go and read in the book of Acts, it gives you a lot of the first-hand accounts, especially, you know, with Luke writing that book and traveling with Paul, that a lot of times... Um, you know, he is describing events that Paul can come back in and tell you, let me tell you what was really going on. Have you ever been around someone that um, does something crazy or, you know, just lives their life and it just looks like they just they, you know, they just make it look easy? They, you know, they, they go through pressures and they go through trials with this big smile on the face and and, you know, just speaking all the right things, confessing all the right things. It's like, God, I wish I had faith like that. I wish I could endure pressure like that. I wish I could take on challenge. I mean, you know, you, you, you go through and read the book of Acts and you look at Paul and you, you think things like, that was easy to him. No, no biggie, no issue. Did he really even endure pressure? But then we get over here into 2 Corinthians and he starts giving us kind of a little behind the scenes, so to speak. He starts giving us, rather than the highlight reel that we read in the book of Acts, now we start finding out what he was really thinking. And, and he goes ahead and lets us know we were hard pressed. But we weren't crushed. We were perplexed, but we weren't in despair. We were persecuted, but we weren't forsaken. We weren't alone. Struck down, but not destroyed. I mean, he's, he's telling you kind of the behind the scenes, if you will, of his position and those pressure moments, those stressful moments where he thought he wasn't going to make it. Those moments where he didn't know, uh, uh, you know, if what he had. And see, this is where discouragement comes from. Discouragement is the result of the pressure on the outside outweighing the power on the inside. Discouragement is the result of the pressure on the outside outweighing the power on the inside. Now, I, I do want to say one thing about pressure because not all pressure is good. And sometimes I think that we create moments and we become our own catalyst for pressure situations. You know, there, there are some good things that pressure can bring out, but there's also some bad things that pressure can do. Pressure uh, can, can reap a harvest of poor decisions. And pressure can reach uh, a, a harvest of, of regrets and failures that aren't good. Um, so there are pressure times. And look, if you're the source of your pressure, many times you become the, your own source of your strength. And sometimes I feel like as believers, we expect God to be the source of power 
when we were the source of the pressure. So we need to correct some behavior. We're asking God to come in and fix stuff that we keep messing up. We're asking God. Sometimes there are pressure moments and pressure situations that we get in as a result of our wrong responses and our irresponsible behavior and not doing what his word tells us to do and not submitting wholly to his word and not living righteous and and those kind of things. You can't ask God to get you out of binds that you're putting yourself in. But we're talking about the pressure. We're talking about the moments that come just from daily life. Y'all are all looking at me like you live stress-free lives. Does anybody have no stress? Anybody no pressure? Anybody no challenges? Anybody had moments of discouragement? Anybody had those, those opportunities where it feels like everything's falling apart around you and what's on the outside? I got all my college kids laughing because it's finals week. It's finals week. And we all sit over here thinking, good for you. We are done with that. Yep. But I'm speaking to you. But we've got to find a secret strength. The secret strength comes from knowing your source. The secret strength comes from knowing the source. Knowing the source of the pressure, but also knowing the source of your God. Knowing the source of your strength. See, pressure requires strength. Pressure reveals strength. You don't know how strong you are until the pressure comes against you. You don't know what you can really do until you get under what you cannot do. Are you hearing me? So these aren't moments to avoid. These aren't moments, you know, we're not here trying to live conflict-free lives and stress-free lives. But rather, let's allow the stress and let's allow the pressure and let's allow uh, the challenges of life to produce the right things within us. To produce the right responses and to produce the right attitudes and to produce the, the right. But the thing is, is we rely on the wrong power source. In verse 7, he tells us that we have a treasure in earthen vessels. Here's what I've learned in my life. Is when I don't recognize the source of my strength, I become the source of my strength. When I don't recognize who is, who's really empowering me, then I will work to empower myself. I will work to achieve my own redemption, so to speak. I will start implementing things in my life, and, 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 and I never even get God involved. I never even allow him to be a part of the process. What kind of life are we living if God never gets to be a part of the process? But I'm going to tell you right now, if God's going to be a part of the process, you're going to come against some challenges. It's called faith. It's called a life of faith. And God has already written it in his book. I'm not even pleased if you're not living by faith. I'm not even, I'm not standing up applauding you saying, man, you got this, you're doing it. If I'm not involved, then it's not big enough. If I'm not involved, then the challenge isn't great enough. If I'm not involved, if I'm not showing up in your life, then maybe we're not reaching the full potential. Going back to the gym metaphor, if I'm, if I'm working out, if I really want to achieve my full potential, I need someone else to help me. Because my full potential is going to require everything I have and a little bit of what they have. So we want God to get involved, but we want to be the source of the answer. We want God, we want to say that, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that real faith, real faith is proven through real challenges. Great faith is proven through great challenges. And, and we want the great faith without the great test. But faith that is never challenged does not grow. 
Ask Abraham. And we can go to Genesis and we can read about Abraham. And it looks all easy. And it looks like it was just a walk in the park to walk 25 years with a promise as a 75-year-old man that you are going to be a father, much less a father of many nations. You've never borne children. You've never been able to produce children. And now you're beyond the years of producing children. And the way that Genesis just lays it out, it's just, you know, 10 years later, we revisit Abraham. And 10 more years later, we show back up in his life. And then when he's 90, and then when he's 100, and we're thinking, man, look at, look at Abraham just smiling. But then you go over to Romans chapter 4, and you find out that, you know, he was in hope against all hope. Gives you, again, that behind the scenes. Why? Because pressure relies on perspective. Pressure relies on perspective. If I don't have the right perspective of my pressure, then I won't be able to engage it and attack it and respond to it appropriately. If I keep resisting pressure and I keep trying to throw off pressure and and, and I keep, uh, then then I'm never going to allow pressure to form within me what is needed. There's a treasure, but it's in earthen vessels. And there's a reason for that, because God never intended you to be the source of your own salvation. God never intended you to be the source of your own salvation, of your own strength. And in verse 7, continuing, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence, the excellence, and that word excellence means beyond, is actually what that word means. That the excellence, the excellence of the power may be of God or from God and not of us. The reason why, see, here's the thing. God doesn't want you to be the source of the power. He wants you to be the channel of the power. God's not expecting you to be the source of the power. He wants you to be the channel of the power. And so we get in those pressure situations, and God is saying, God's up in heaven saying, here's another opportunity for me to show myself strong. And then we take on the weight of that pressure like we've got to fix it, like we've got to find the answer. We've got to put it together. We've got to make it happen. And God is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not why you're in this moment. That's not why your marriage has hit the rocks. That's not why your your finances are in that area. That's not why these these people are attacking you and coming against you. That's not why your family's turning against you. That's not why uh, you're you're enduring. You know, I don't know what it is about this time of year that people seem that 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 stress and challenges and pressures just seem to be heightened. I don't know if it's you know because you're at the end of the year and you're you're reflecting, but reflecting a lot of times at this time of year turns into regretting. What we haven't achieved, maybe it has something to do with the Christmas holiday season and and those kind of things. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that it gets dark at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know. (laughs) Anybody notice that like half the day is just dark now? Like I I, I just woke up. It's already time to go to bed. So, but but these moments come, these challenges arise not to take you out but to put you through. Pressure arises not to take you out, but to put you through. See, if we could have God's perspective of the test, if we could have God's perspective of the pressure, God sees blessing where we see burden. I mean, it could have been easy for Abraham to say, why are you putting this on me? Why are you picking me? And God's saying, 
I, I wanted to pick you. I want to show myself. If, 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 if I call a man a father of many nations that's blowing kids out like there's no tomorrow, then that's easy. Man can take the credit. But if I find a man, if I find Gideon, who's hiding at the bottom of the wine press, you know, doing his thing, just trying to hide out, just trying to stay away from the problem. And then God says, no, 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 son, I'm going to put you in the problem, and you're going to be the answer to the problem. That's the man that God's looking for. God's looking for the David that's out in the pasture tending sheep saying, you're going to be the next king of Israel. God's looking for the Daniel and the Shadrach and the Meshach and the Abednego that are just merely slaves taken out of their own country, and you're going to be the ones that are going to help rule this nation in the midst of slavery. These are the opportunities that God is looking for where we see pressure, where we see burden. God sees blessing. Not just your blessing. Not just what I'm going to do for you. I mean, when you go in the Bible and you start looking at the, the context of the miracles that God does through the word, you, you quickly learn it had nothing to do with the individual. The miracle of making Abraham a father of many nations had nothing to do with Abraham. He was a channel. The miracle of what God did with Moses, a murderer, in redeeming and pulling the Israelites out of Egypt and bringing them to the promised land had nothing to do with Moses. You know, at the end of the day, you and I, we just become middlemen to God accomplishing his promise and his blessing in the earth. And you and I, we get to be a part of the process because, you know, every promise has a process. Every promise has a process. If you don't endure the process, you don't get the promise. There's a process. There's a process. And God wants to involve you. God wants to be a part of it. But where, where we see pressure and where we see process, God sees promise. Where we see burden, God sees blessing. And God says, no, 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 I'm trying to get you, I'm trying to use you to meet the needs of these people. I'm trying to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. I'm trying to, to, to get something not just to you like we've been talking about, but through you. I'm trying to, can I use you for my purpose in the earth? Can I use you? But you, you are an earthen vessel. You're an earthen vessel. Not designed. You're not. See, a lot of times we want the treasure to be on the outside. And God says, no, no, no. I put the treasure on the inside. Because if I put the treasure on the outside, then you'll judge everything by the way it looks. And you'll miss what's on the inside. He says, no, no, I put the treasure on the inside. You're an earthen vessel so that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Now keep on going. Jump down to uh, verse 16. Jump down to verse 16. And this is where we get to kind of tie this together a little bit. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. That means, that means there's an opportunity to lose heart. He can't say, therefore, we do not lose heart if there isn't the opportunity 
to lose heart, if there isn't an opportunity to become discouraged, if there isn't, see, all the pressure, there is the opportunity to be crushed. There's the opportunity to be perplexed. There's an opportunity to be in despair. There's an opportunity to be forsaken. There's an opportunity to be destroyed. And Paul was saying that even when those should have been the outcomes, this is the reason why I did not yield to that outcome. There was a secret strength. There was something working on the inside. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our what? Outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He's continuing to help us see that if you have your perspective on the outside, you'll miss what's going on on the inside. For our light affliction, he calls it light affliction. Light of, light, that's nothing. That's light affliction. Which is but for a moment. But how many of you know when that, that light affliction shows up, it don't seem like a moment. It seems like eternity. They don't feel like a moment. But look what he says. It's working for us. Oh, wait a minute. You mean the pressure's working for me? I thought it was against me. But God has already said, if I am for you, nothing can be against you. Nothing can be against you. So when God is for me, even the pressure is working for my benefit. Even the challenge is working. It's on my side. It's on my side. It's working for me, he says. The light affliction, which is only for a moment, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And here's the, here's the key. How do I recognize this secret strength? We do not look at the things which are seen. But at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. You know what that word temporary means? That word temporary means subject to change. Subject to change. You ever heard that term before? Subject to change. It's temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. I'm here to tell you today that what you cannot see is more real than what you can see. It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of what you're looking at. It's a matter of what you're drawing from. It's a matter of what your source is. What is your source? Have you become your own source? Have you become the end-all, be-all? Have you become the one that's going to save yourself? Or are you able to recognize that there's something working for me? far greater than what you see on the outside. Don't judge the book by this cover. There is something on the inside that's changing what's on the outside. That the challenges and the pressure that's going on around me is nothing compared because greater is he that is where? In me than he that is in the world. The thing that is visible is not as strong as the thing that's invisible. It's a matter of perspective. There's a secret strength. There's a secret to my strength. There's a secret to my success. There's a secret. We could start an infomercial because that's what they all say. There's a secret. All these new workout regimens. There's a secret. It's not a secret. The secret is is that I'm going to waste my money on this and I'm going to have to buy the next thing that comes out next month. That's the secret. What is on the outside is not an accurate indication of what I'm capable of on the inside. What is on the outside is not an accurate indication of what I'm capable of on the inside. I'm stronger than you look, than I look. I'm stronger than you think. 
Amen. But sometimes we merely look at the external when we never take into account what's working on the inside. And so when we look at weaknesses and we look at faults and we look at failures and we look at uh, the things that it, rather than saying the reason why I look weak is because I've expended all that I have. It's because I've used all the strength. See, God will show up when you do your part. And God can do a lot more than we can. But he's still wanting to involve you in the process. He's still wanting to see what you got. And usually, all he's expecting of you is just obedience. I'm not expecting you to be a father of many nations. I'm just expecting you to obey me. I'm not expecting you to to wipe out the Egyptians. I'm just expecting you to obey me in going in there and telling Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm not expecting you to go into the promised land and overcome the city, Jericho, that is walled and fortified and so strong that we can't even get in. I'll do that. But you do your part. You, You walk around the wall. You be bold and walk up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. But I, I, I can't. I stutter. I, I'm a murderer. I, I can't go back there. I came from that. Area. They know me. They're going to put me to death the second they see me. And, and, and God's saying, no, no, no. You do your part, and I'll do my part. But God will not do your part. He can only do his part. You can't do what God can do, but he can't do what you can do. He's involving you in the process. He's not asking you to be strong enough to take it all on. He's asking you to be obedient enough to see his strength work in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we've all seen this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 9. See, the thing is, is when, when, I, when, I, when I recognize where I'm weak, I'm simultaneously realizing where I'm strong. I remember, um, again, going back to the, the, the working out thing. And I'm just getting you ready for January because I know you're all about to renew your gym memberships and all that kind of stuff. But a couple of years ago, I trained with uh, Travis Biles um, here in our church. And um, the first thing he did, the first day we went, is he needed to find the extent of my strength. But by finding, how strong, finding out how strong I am, he needed to find out how weak I am. Don't laugh. Let's go see what you've got. He, I needed to, and, and look, there is no trainer out there. There's no personal trainer out there that, that will ask you, uh, how much do you think you can lift? And you tell them and then reduce it by 10 pounds. They're going to throw 10 more on. If they're a good trainer, uh, I could do 30s. Okay, let's try 40s. They're going to push you past that. If you're going to get your money's worth, if they're going to really do what they're supposed to do, they're going to get you to expend all that you have. And most of the time, you don't even realize what you're capable of. You don't even know what you're capable of. That's why they push you. That's why you say, I can't go 10 more seconds. They say, you're going to go 20 more seconds. You set the bar, and they're going to push you past that. And that's what God does. Because he says, until you realize how weak you are, you'll never see how strong I am. If you can do it under your own power, if you can do it in your own ability, I never even get involved. If you want to involve me in the process, you're going to have to expend everything you got before I even show up. It sounds rude. It sounds harsh. It sounds difficult. But God is saying, no, 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 no. There's more in you than you even know is there. Greater is he 
that is in you than he that is in the world. Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. And he said to me, this is Paul continuing on, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, I needed to, de- to define grace for you real quick. I'm not going to make it really drawn and long out. But basically, grace is not a band-aid that covers everything up. Grace is an empowerment to do. Grace is the empowerment to do. When he says, my grace is sufficient, he's saying, it's my empowerment within you to do and to perform. That's what grace is. When you say, I'm under grace or I'm living by grace, what you're saying is, is I'm living by the empowerment of God within me to do what I cannot do, to do what only he can do. And I'm relying on his power working in my life. That's what grace is. So I need to clarify that because I know there's all kinds of, uh, you know, errors out there uh, regarding grace. But he says, my grace, my power. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. If you have one of those Bibles that changes the color of when Jesus taught, it should be in red. And it's, it, this, is, this passage is in red. Jesus himself is saying, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Why? For my strength is made perfect. Perfect means whole. That means until I become totally weak, I cannot be totally strong in him. Now, again, weakness is not, I can't do it, you do it. That's not weakness. Weakness is, I've used up all I can do. You ever seen someone that just got done doing leg day at the, at the gym? They walk like this. And you feel like you could just tap them on the shoulder and they're going to topple over. It's a rough day. Two days later, that's not a good day. Not a good day. Nope. I won't go into that and all the tragedy that comes with that. But it's, 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 it's the worst feeling but the best feeling. Because it tells me I gave it all I got. I left it all on the field. I left it all in the gym. I left it. I put it. I expended everything I have. So now you take over. I'm not asking for God to work for me. I'm asking the God to work through me. And now the pressure and the weight. There's, 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 no, there's no athlete or there's, there's no individual that goes into a gym to work out, goes in there and says, I hate these weights. I hate hate all this pressure, hate all this weight, hate all this. No, they love it because that they know that's what's going to produce the result. If we could just get a different perspective, if we could see what's on the inside instead of just what's on the outside. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I can't show up until you've given all you've got. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ The power of Christ, the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's saying, if I boast in my strength, then I don't need God. But if I boast in what I cannot do, then I'm now recognizing what God can do. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. And you can replace those words with whatever you want. Marriage struggles, lack, depression, anxiety, finals. He says, I take pleasure 
for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Once again, he shows us the contrast. Hard-pressed, not discouraged. Weak, strong. Could, could we, could we not be a result of what's happening externally, but instead a result of what's happening internally? Could we be a product of what God is doing on the inside instead of becoming a heap of mess because of what's going on on the outside? Could we ride through storms and could we come through challenges and could we come through pressures and could we welcome conflict into our life because we know that what's on the in me is greater than what's on the outside of me. And until I use all the energy I have towards this thing, God won't even intervene and show up. But when I become weak, when I realize where I, what I cannot do, that's when I recognize what he will do. I don't know what challenge. I don't know what pressure. I don't know what uh, you're, you're going through except for these first two rows over here on this side. But I'm telling you that God has the answer. God will get you through. There's no test too strong. There's no challenge too great. There's no conflict too large that you cannot come through when you learn to rely on what's on the inside instead of responding to what's on the outside. God will make a way. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight that you have caused us to overcome. You have given us the greatest victory in Christ Jesus. We want to live by faith, through faith, with faith, for faith. And we thank you that what you have placed on the inside of us is far greater than anything that will come against us on the outside. And I thank you, Father, that you will renew our minds. Give us a new perspective. Give us a new perspective. Help us see the pressure the way you see it. Help us see rather than a burden but a blessing. Help us see not weakness but strength. Help us not see the pressure on the outside but the promise and the power that's on the inside. And I thank you that you are our source of strength. You are the provider. You are the one that restores us. Your grace is sufficient for us. And we rely on that. We rest in that today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I want to make a